The following is a message from Reverend Ken Belden of Wellsprings Congregation. So this being Super Bowl Sunday and all, it's a good reflection uh, in this moment uh, upon which bets you decide to take and which bets you decide to decline. Um, I'm going to tell you about a bet that I recently declined that actually I came up with in the first place. Uh, I was talking with a friend of mine about what is pretty much my favorite musical act right now, The Mountain Goats, that some of you know of and some of you only know of through me. Uh, and I said to my friend, I bet I could find a way to work a Mountain Goat song into every single message I give here at Wellsprings. Now, I decided not to take that bet because of you, because after a while you would get annoyed. <laughs> I bet on that. But today being Super Bowl Sunday, I could come up with a Mountain Goat song that worked for a football reference. And so I present to you at least the lyrics of the fall of the star high school running back. Sophomore year, you rushed for an average of eight and a third yards per carry. All eyes were on you junior year. You blew your knee out in an out-of-town game, nowhere to go but down, 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 nothing but the ground left for you to fall to. By July, you made a bunch of brand new friends, people you used to look down on, and you'd figured out a way to make real money, giving ends to your friends and it felt stupendous, chrome spokes on your Japanese bike, but selling acid was a bad idea, and selling it to a cop was a worse one. And the new law said that 17-year-olds could do federal time. You were the first one. And so I sing this song to you, William Staniforth Donahue. Your grandfather rowed the boat over from Ireland, but you made a bad decision or two. Now, that is in some ways an archetypal mountain goat song. It's a short story in and of itself. It is both blunt and somehow empathetic. There's a little bit of social critique in there. You get that little thing, that kind of nod in the direction of the war on drugs and the human misery it causes. But beyond football and beyond my love for John Darneal, who's the moving force behind the mountain goats, I wanted to share it for this particular reason, for what I'm talking about today. This is a story of someone who lost a dream and could not successfully move to that next stage in their life. Someone who could not, as the song said, turn, turn, turn. Someone who couldn't successfully pivot after one dream had died and moved to the next one. Now, if you are at all like me or somewhat a contemporary of mine, when you hear the word pivot, you may think of this particular scene of absurdist comedy. And if you don't get it, it's an old episode of Friends. Uh, and it's actually the point at which I thought Friends had ceased being pretty funny. But this was a funny scene. Most of the episode, Ross is trying to get a sofa up and around the bend of a walk-up New York City apartment building. I can still hear the words, pivot, 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 pivot. And it doesn't work. And eventually... The a couple of the other friends just leave them right there with the sofa stuck on the stairs. Now, the Internet being what it is, you can find this. Pivot and tilt how Ross, Rachel and Chandler could have gotten the couch up the stairs. <laughs> the Internet is a fascinating place. You can read all six steps if you want. Go and take a look at it later. 
It involves physics. Beyond the humor, pivoting is an essential part of human existence and especially human flourishing. In a non-humorous way, pivoting is a core aspect of both how I experience myself personally and professionally. There's a book that recently came out. It's by Stephen Hayes, who is one of the originators, one of the founders of what is called acceptance and commitment therapy. A liberated mind, how to pivot, pivot towards what matters. This is my core orientation and practice as a therapist in my professional life beyond Wellsprings. And the truth is, I place so much credence and stock in this approach to therapy because of actually some of the things, and this was unplanned, that you talked about today, Ben. Recognizing what it is and the cost that happens and accrues to us when we go to war against ourselves and against our own minds. And what it is, as you so skillfully said, to be able to step back, but not step on the tambourine. Although sometimes we're always going to step in it. And then it's the step after that that matters when we step in it. Leave that here for the second service again, because I want to make the same mistake. <laughs> Thank you. It's not really a mistake if you plan for it, but, you know, it works. When we can take a step back, as Ben talked about, and see our own minds and bring a sense of compassion and loving kindness to our own inner wars against ourselves that tend to just foment more distress. Sometimes in our desire to get away from our pain internally, we only get more pain. Now, one of the things that drew me to ACT, to acceptance and commitment therapy as a practitioner of it, is that it also works for my own mind. I know what it is to get hooked. I know what it is to get hooked in my own mind. I know what it is to struggle against that hook. Literally think of it as the fish with the hook in its mouth and it's flopping back and forth and back and forth and back and forth against itself in the struggle to be free. But in that struggle, it just only gets more pain. To be human is to have our minds get hooked. Part of what ACT brings is the values orientation that is so key to the practice of ministry and also something else that is a core aspect of who I am of what I practice, which is mindfulness, which allows us to take a step back from our thoughts and feelings with a little bit more compassionate space, especially, especially when we are disappointed, especially as poets from Langston Hughes to Bruce Springsteen have talked and sang about, especially when our dreams die hard and we know disappointment. One of the reasons I like to use ACT is that I would never endorse a product that I don't use myself. And my mind gets hooked all the time. The only difference is I have become a hell of a lot more skillful at gently taking the hook out and sometimes not biting down on the bait in the first place at all. So unlike the fall of the high school running back, I never rushed for eight and a third yards per carry. And I never had all eyes on me and I didn't blow my knee out in an out-of-town game. But I used to run. And running used to be a real essential, important part of my identity. 
Years ago, I even told a story using this core aspect of our service here at Wellsprings. See, at this point, this was 2003, 2004, I was 33, 34 years old back then and just discovered running as I was emerging from a difficult time in my life. It was one of the things that kind of helped me pivot into the next moment in my life. And I was living in Florida at the time, and Florida is hot. This is not news to many of you. And the part of Florida that I lived in was one of the hottest parts of Florida, way down near Fort Lauderdale and Miami. And you could not run during the day. I mean, some people did, but I did not want to stroke out. And so I would run at night and I would run sometimes late into the evening well after the sun had gone down well beyond the boardwalk in the town that I live well beyond that on a nature trail well out 9 30 10 o'clock at night by myself when it was dark in a place where there were wild animals and I would hear rustlings in the bushes and I would start to get anxious and I think my god if something bad happens to me out here who is going to find me what's going to happen to me and pretty soon my mind was hooked and off to the races <laughs> And well before there ever was a Wellsprings, this was an object of my practice. If we want to enter heaven on earth, we need one conscious step and one conscious breath. And out on these long runs, which for me was 10, 11, 12 miles, I would bring some conscious presence back to my breath and my footfalls. And I would start to calm down a little bit, not by going to war against myself and against my mind, but by noticing mindfully what was happening and turning towards it with compassion. Mm -hmm. Those of you who were around maybe 2010, 2011, I told that story in a message once, really enacted it. I'm not going to do that today. But here's the thing. I ran my last half marathon in 2007 the first spring here at Wellsprings. Um, and about the first half of that half marathon, I was headed for a sub two-hour time, which for elite runners is nothing, but for me would have been a personal record. And then the second half of that race, my iliotibial band between here and here, it felt like this was swinging on a rusty hinge the entire six and a half, second half miles of that half marathon. And I remember the last race I ran. It wasn't even a half marathon. It was here in 2013. It was a 5K. A 5K, 3.1 miles, which I used to run routinely. And I had that same damn thing happen. And I remember I posted on Facebook some kind of joking remark like, I would now officially like to retire from competitive running. I made a joke out of it, but the truth was, it didn't feel great. I knew I'd have to give up running. I'd already gone to physical therapy. I didn't want to invest any more time and money. I had other things I wanted to do. But I'd have to let go of this important part of who I was and what had brought me comfort and challenge and strength. And so I had to stand back and ask myself, what was it that I really loved about running? It was getting outside. It was testing myself. It was pushing myself. It was sometimes getting even a little bit too far out where I thought I might get lost, or at least in Pennsylvania, eaten by a bear. I valued self-care. I valued being skillfully in my body. And after struggling against myself for at least six months to a year, I decided to retire 
myself as a runner and take up hiking. The values were there, but the goal was different. And I still get a little too far out at times. And sometimes it starts to get dark. And I get a little lost in the woods. And still, if we want to enter heaven on earth, we need only one conscious step and one conscious breath. This is what values can do and why they are so important, not just in act, but in living. Knowing our values, knowing what grounds us, knowing what we hold in our hearts that's bigger than goals. You see, goals come and go. Goals we fail or succeed at. But values stay. And if we know our values, we can be able to pivot toward the next thing that we feel called to do. When we get all wrapped up and identify ourselves only with our goals, as important as they are, when our goals fail, when we have disappointment or our dreams don't work out as we would have thought, we might actually think it's the end of us. Like, what is left for us? Who are we? What matters? And sometimes that can lead to great bitterness. I touched into this in a post I made on, uh, I think it was October 20th. You go to that next slide. Yeah, October 20th. I'm a Yankees fan. Boo hiss. I know. Okay, we'll get over that already. And they lost, and they lost in a devastating way. And I got to tell you, I follow a lot of Yankees blogs, and oh my God, the freaking bitterness, the entitlement that comes with being a Yankees fan. Ugh. The entitlement that comes with being most sports fans. Ugh. But this is what I felt. Rough ending. But I'm not one of those fans who thinks that if you don't win it all, the whole ride wasn't worth anything. Nonsense. A great season where the Yankees lost the last game. Most times it ends that way. Not just in games, but in life. Tip the hat to the Astros and start preparing for 2020. If there's only the goal and we hang our value, the value of who we are upon succeeding or failing, most of the time we're going to feel pretty lousy about ourselves because disappointment is a part of life, of course. And if you know anything about baseball, you've been following baseball, the last two teams that the Yankees lost to in the postseason have both been credibly accused and, quote-unquote, convicted of cheating to win. <laughs> the Red Sox and the Astros. And by the way, I'm not going to get all moralistic about this. Chances are the Yankees could have done it as well, too. But this is the problem with a society in which we can be very focused on goals and forget values. Because if winning or losing is the only thing, we will only be focused on winning at all costs. And if we lose, then we will start to label ourselves as losers or failures. This is what this message series is about. Daily bread. What do we need to sustain us when failure, disappointment, or dreams dying is a part of our lives? This is an aspect of true resilience. Because if we know our values, we allow ourselves to hold our failures, our heartbreaks, our dreams that feel like they're dying. Even if they're not, they're just changing form. It allows us to hold those lightly and to pivot towards what really matters for us. The values that don't go away, that hold and sustain us even 
through difficulty. The guy who gave us our mission here at Wellsprings is Walt Whitman. And one of my favorite pieces of his poetry gets right at the heart of this. O me, O life, questions of these recurring, of the endless trains of the faceless, of cities filled with the foolish, of myself forever reproaching myself, like Ben was talking about going to war against ourselves. He didn't say that if you're listening on the podcast. I said that. For more, for who more foolish than I and who more faithless? Of eyes that vainly crave the light of the objects mean of the struggle ever renewed of the poor results of all of the plotting and sordid crowds I see around me of the empty and useless years of the rest with the rest me intertwined. The question, O me, O sad recurring, what good amid these, O me, O life? Oof. Life has its despairing parts and its disappointments. But old Walt was hopeful above all else. And he said, answer, that you are here, that life exists, and identity. That the powerful play goes on, and you may contribute a verse. Mm. Walt knew his values and had a big heart for this life. He's encouraging us to do the same as well, too. And when we can no longer eat yesterday's bread because yesterday's bread is gone or can't be baked anymore or no longer suits our tastes, how might we know who we are and what we set our hearts upon? Speaking of food, I saw a beautiful expression of this on a cooking blog that I'm a part of, a cooking page on Facebook. It's the New York Times cooking page. And before you read that, I'll read it to you in just a second. I got to tell you, I love this. I get inspiration from it. I share meals on there. I take inspiration from it, from what others make. And oh my God, the amount of like crazy privilege there is in this group in terms of, I just dashed this off. I had three hours this afternoon, so I made the fancy French word for whatever kind of food. But occasionally someone posts with such heart. And this is the favorite thing that I saw posted this past Christmas day. We are living with Alzheimer's, so we simplify, simplify, simplify. My husband and I had a lovely, quiet day. Our first Thanksgiving dinner together, he asked me for green bean casserole. Maybe to see how I reacted since he knew I was a foodie. Maybe to shock me as much as I had shocked his Midwestern sensibilities by suggested oyster stuffing. Fish in the stuffing? Anyway, I still made it for him. She says today, or they say today, our simple meal of ham, scalloped potatoes, green bean casserole, and cranberry sauce chutney with Christmas cookies for dessert got many thumbs up from him, which is all that matters. You see the pivot there, right? The fancy meals don't really matter much anymore, perhaps. It's part of the identity of who they were as a couple and one of them as an individual starts to ebb because of Alzheimer's. But if we know what matters most, something will hold us aloft. Something transcendent. If you know what matters to you most, if you know the value that you hold in your heart, If we do, we can all be profoundly resilient.
even and up to the very end of this life. And so today I want to close with a little short film from Iran. Just a couple minutes. Maybe some of you have seen it. You're not going to understand the words unless you speak Farsi. And maybe you will. They are reciting a poem of Hafiz, a great mystical Persian poet to each other. You don't need to understand the words. I think you'll get what this is about. آشنایان ره عشق در این بحر امیر قرقه گشتند و نگشتند را بالوده همه شب در این امیدم که نسیم صبحگاهی به پیام آشنایان به نوازد آشنا را علف بده اگر آن ترک شیرازی به دست دارد دل ما را حواست کجاست عزیزم اگر هم ترک شیرازی به دست دارد دل She wasn't there all along, but she was. To borrow from the title of a message series this past fall, People die, but love doesn't. This is what it is to remember our values, even in the midst of death, disappointment. It's just part of life. Fighting against it won't change it. It will only make it worse. And yet when these moments happen, to remember what matters most. May you allow love in all its forms to carry you forward this day even into what comes next and even if you don't know Amen May you live in blessing Would you pray with me? Divine turning and turning and turning and in this delicate choreography this dance of 
joy and suffering that makes up all of our lives. As the old Shaker hymn says, we can turn and turn and turn again until we might come round right. And that right is not a matter of having it all figured out, not in this prayer at least anyway, but a matter of being able to face our lives as they are and dig deeply once again into what matters most for us and trusting that and these and those that sit most fully in the heart and can even hold our heartbreak to trust these values to carry us forward into this life and sometimes even just carry us when we need it. Amen. If you enjoyed this message and would like to support the mission of Wellsprings, go to our website, wellspringsuu.org. That's wellsprings, the letters uu.org.